Well, hey there, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast. Over the last few weeks at Melbourne Heights, we have been wrestling with the problem of pain and suffering. And we've been wrestling with the problem of pain and suffering because all of us have experienced pain and suffering in our lives. So we've all asked similar questions about the pain and suffering we faced. And most of those questions start with a why. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there pain and suffering in this world at all? Why does God allow it? But here's the thing. None of those questions are very helpful for us. I mean, even if we knew the answer to all of these questions of why, it wouldn't take away the pain and the suffering that we feel. So in this week's sermon, we start changing our approach to this problem of pain and suffering. And instead of asking questions of why, we start asking questions of how. How do we face, how do we deal with the pain and suffering we experience in our lives? And we're going to find that the questions of how are a whole lot easier to answer than the questions of why. And that's because... Jesus, who is God-made human, showed us how to face pain and suffering in our lives when he faced pain and suffering in his life. So that's what we're going to be talking about in this week and in next week's sermon. So with that, let's get right into this week's sermon. So over the last few weeks at Melbourne Heights, we have been wrestling with a problem that has no easy answer. Over the last few weeks as a church, we have been wrestling with the problem of pain. And we've been wrestling with the problem of pain because every one of us has had to deal with pain in our lives. Every one of us has had to attend the funeral of someone that we love. Every one of us has had to watch a family member or a friend suffering in a hospital bed. Every one of us has stubbed our toe or bit our tongue. Every one of us has had to deal with pain in our lives. And because every one of us has had to deal with pain in our lives, we have all asked similar questions about the pain that we experience. Questions like, why do, good th- why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there pain and suffering in this world at all? Why does God allow any of this to happen? These are the questions that we've asked about pain for as long as humanity has existed. But even though we've been asking these questions for thousands of years, we're not any closer to answering them today than we were thousands of years ago. And why is that? Well, God explained it to us in the book of Job, and we talked about this at the beginning of this series of sermons. But in the book of Job, Job is a righteous man, someone who is right with God. But Job suffers so much pain in his life, he loses his possessions. He loses his livelihood, he loses his children, and then he even loses his own health. And Job just can't understand why he's experienced all of this pain. So Job asks God, and God responds to Job. And in God's response to Job, he essentially shows Job that there are some things in life that people just cannot understand. And the problem of pain is one of those things that we just cannot understand. But even though we cannot solve the problem of pain, we all still have to deal with pain. Even though we can't solve the problem of pain, we all still have to deal with the pain that we experience in our lives. And we all have to find a way, we all have to find a way to face that pain that we experience in our lives. So that's what I want to spend the next couple of weeks talking about. 
I want to spend the next couple of weeks talking about ways that we can face the pain that we experience in our lives. And I want to spend the next couple of weeks talking about ways that we can help other people face the pain that they experience in their lives too. But before we can start talking about ways that we can face the pain in our lives and ways that we can help other people face the pain in their lives, we need to stop for a couple of minutes. We need to stop for a couple of minutes and we need to change the way that we've been thinking about pain so far in the series of sermons. Because over the last few weeks, we've been treating pain like it's a riddle that needs to be solved. Like if somehow we could understand why bad things happen to good people or why there's pain in this world at all, that it would somehow alleviate the pain that we experience in life. But here's the truth. Even if we knew the answer to all of the why questions, it would never alleviate our pain. It just was never going to happen. Even if we knew all the answers to all the questions, it wouldn't stop pain from happening. It would just explain it to us. But we don't need an explanation for pain. We need a way to endure pain. We don't need an explanation for why we experience pain We need a way to endure that pain. But to find a way to endure the pain that we experience in life, we have to change the questions that we've been asking about pain. We have to move away from those questions of why. So instead of asking more why questions, we need to start asking how. How do we face the pain in this world? How do we face the pain in our lives? And how do we help people around us do the same? And here's the best part about changing the question from why to how. Although we could never hope to answer the questions of why, and we have thousands of years of human history that proves that we were never going to answer those questions of why, we can answer the questions of how. And we can answer the questions of how because God showed us. God showed us how God responded to the problems of pain and suffering in our world when God's own Son, Jesus, who is God-made human, came to this earth. You see, when Jesus came to this earth, he experienced everything that this world and our lives have to offer. And that includes the pain and suffering that we experience in life. So Jesus knew what it was like to attend the funeral of someone that he loved. Jesus knew what it was like to sit by the bedside of someone that he cared about when they were suffering. Jesus knew what it was like to stub his toe. Jesus knew what it was like to bite his tongue. Jesus knew what it was like to have bad things happen to him. And it's the way that Jesus responded to pain in his life that can help us respond to the pain in our lives. It's the way that Jesus responded to pain in his life that can help us respond to pain in our lives. So during the rest of this morning's sermon and next week's sermon, we're going to look at how Jesus responded to the pain and the suffering that he experienced in his life, and we're going to focus in on how Jesus responds to the pain and suffering of his crucifixion. The pain and suffering of the crucifixion. A pain and suffering far greater than anything that you and I can imagine. We're going to see how Jesus responded to that, 
to help us figure out how we can respond to the pain and suffering in our lives. And we actually know uh, quite a bit about the, uh, the pain that Jesus suffered while he was on the cross. Because there are four books in the Bible that tell us about it. We call these four books the Gospel. The Gospels are the first four books in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all of these books are essentially biographies of Jesus. So these books tell us about Jesus' birth, and they tell us about his baptism. They tell us about Jesus' ministry, and they tell us about the miracles he performed. And yeah, all of these books also tell us about Jesus' experience on the cross. And these four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell us that Jesus says seven things while he is experiencing the pain of the cross. So these seven statements that Jesus makes while he is experiencing the pain and the suffering of the cross, they give us a glimpse of how God responds to pain. They show us how Jesus, who was God-made human, responded to the problem of pain. And this morning I want to jump right into the deep end of the seven things that Jesus says while he is dying on the cross. And I want to spend our time this morning thinking about and talking about the hardest thing that Jesus said on the cross. The statement that Jesus made that is the toughest one for me to hear. In both the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark, we're told that while Jesus is hanging on the cross, in his final hours of life, he cries out, My God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? Let's be honest. These words are hard words for us to hear. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And these words are hard for us to hear because they, they make it sound like Jesus has been abandoned by God at the time when Jesus needs God the most. So when we hear these words, when we hear Jesus call out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It makes all of us wonder if God is going to abandon us in the times when we need God the most too. But what if I were to tell you that there is way more to what Jesus is saying here than just, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because believe it or not, there is way more to what Jesus is saying here. You see, whether you realize it or not, Jesus is not the first person in the Bible that has ever uttered this phrase. As a matter of fact, hundreds if not a thousand years before Jesus even walked this earth, these words weren't just uttered by a character in the Bible. These words were written down into the Scripture where everyone could see them and read them. If you'll go ahead and grab your Bible this morning and turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 22, I'll show you what I mean. And as you're finding it, let me just tell you a little bit more about the book of Psalms. Because the book of Psalms is essentially the ancient Jewish equivalent of our modern day hymnals. And if you've forgotten what a hymnal is, it's that green book that's sitting in the pew in front of you this morning. But the book of Psalms is basically the worship material for the people of Israel. And just like you know the words to your favorite hymns, words to, the, to hymns like Amazing Grace or Jesus Loves Me, the people of Israel knew the words to their psalms. 
So let's take a look at Psalm 22 and see what it says. We're going to start reading together in verse 1. Psalm 22, verse 1. The psalmist writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That sound familiar to you? Should. We just heard Jesus say it a second ago. That it's the exact same thing that Jesus says while he is hanging on the cross. And it's part of one of the songs that the people of Israel would have sung or they would have recited when they came together to worship God. And it's not just part of one of these songs buried down in the fourth or fifth verse where nobody's going to remember it anyway. It is the opening line to one of the psalms that the people of Israel would have regularly sung when they gathered together for worship. So let me show you what it would have been like to be one of the people surrounding Jesus during the crucifixion when they heard him utter these words. I'm going to say to you the opening line to one of our hymns, and I want you to join in with me as quickly as you can in the song, okay? All right, let me take a little drink of water, and then we'll get started. I'm not singing, Michelle, don't worry. (laughs) All right, here we go. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Okay, we're going to quit there. I know you want to go into second and third verse, but one verse is sufficient for right now because I want to try another one. Let's, let's try this one out. O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. All right, let's do one more. Ready? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, how many of you knew at least one of those three songs? How many of you knew all three of those songs? That's just about everybody. Sitting inside of this room knew at least one of those songs, and many of you knew all three of those songs. And you knew it by only hearing me recite the first line. I didn't have to sing a bar of any of these songs for you to realize what I was referencing and referring to. And that's exactly how the crowd around Jesus would have felt that day when they heard Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They would have heard that and immediately thought, oh, he's reciting Psalm 22. That's one of my personal favorites. I love when we sing that when I go to temple. Or they might have thought, hey, that's Psalm 22. I kind of like Psalm 23 better, but I know where Jesus is going here. But everyone in that crowd would have made that connection. And that's an important connection for us to make. Something important for us to realize, too. Because Psalm 22 isn't just one sentence long. Psalm 22, you can see it in the Bible for yourself, is 31 verses long. And what we find when we read all 31 verses of this is that the 31 verses have a much different message than the opening line. 
You see, the psalm isn't really about the my God, my God, why have you forsaken me part. It's about something else altogether. You see, Psalm 22 is what scholars refer to as a psalm of lament. But what exactly is a psalm of lament? Well, a psalm of lament is a repeated cry of pain, of rage, of sorrow, and of grief that emerges in the midst of suffering. Or to put it another way, a psalm of lament is a prayer that expresses how you're really feeling when you have to deal with pain. A psalm of lament is a prayer that expresses how you're really feeling when you have to deal with pain. And the book of Psalms is filled with these psalms of lament. Now, you may be aware that the book of Psalms has 150 chapters in it, 150 different psalms contained inside of the Bible. But what you're probably unaware of is that out of these 150 psalms in the Bible, 62 of these are psalms of lament. 62 out of 150 psalms written in the Bible are psalms of lament. That means that over 40% of the book of Psalms is made up of psalms of lament. This is the most popular, most prolific type of psalm that we find inside of the Bible. And just by learning that one little thing, that 40% of the book of Psalms is made up of this, this calling out to God, this prayer that expresses how you're really feeling when you have to deal with pain, that should help us realize that these are important. Not just to the faith of the people of Israel, but these psalms of lament need to be important to our faith as well. And these are important to us because they help us express how we're really feeling when it comes to the pain in our lives. So this should help us start to change the way that we think about pain. Start changing the way that we deal with our own pain. Because if we're being completely honest here this morning... I think all of us could admit that we don't really pray these real prayers when we're hurting. We don't pray real prayers when we're hurting. Instead, we pray the prayers that we think God wants us to say. We pray the prayers that we think God wants to hear. And you've heard people do this. We dress it up with flowery language. We talk about suffering, but we make it sound vague and disconnected from our actual experience. And we don't really talk about what's happening to us. We don't express how we're really feeling. And I think we do this for one of two reasons. We either do this because we're afraid that we're going to hurt God's feelings. I want you to just stop and think about how ridiculous that sounds for a minute. We're afraid that we're going to hurt God's feelings if we tell God how we are really feeling. Like God isn't big enough to handle what's actually happening in the lives of the people that he created. Or the second reason I think that we, we don't pray real authentic prayers when we're hurting is because we're afraid. We're afraid that if we pray to God and we share what's really going on, what we're really thinking, that God's not going to answer our prayers. We're afraid that if we're not polite to God, that God is going to ignore us altogether. But don't miss this. 62 times in the book of Psalms, people pray these real prayers. People pray these real prayers where they cry out to God. People pray these real prayers where they complain to God about what's happening in their lives. People pray these real prayers where they get angry with God. People pray these real prayers where they are mad at God because it doesn't feel like God is holding up his end 
of the bargain. And these are the types of prayers that we need to learn how to pray to help us deal with the pain and the suffering in our lives. These are the types of prayers that we should be praying far more often than we do. And if you stop and you think about it for a minute, it makes sense. I mean, it's like when I sit down with, with a couple who has come to me for premarital counseling, and when, when we're talking about the problems that they face before they've even made it to the altar, one of the things that I tell them is, if you have a problem with your soon-to-be spouse, but you're not willing to tell them about the problem, then things are never going to get any better. They're only going to get worse. But if you're willing to be open and honest with your partner, then whatever it is that's slowly driving you apart, it can't be fixed. But if you get mad because they never put the toilet seat back down, but, they never, but you never tell them, the seat's going to stay up. It's just how it works. Same thing's true with our relationship with God. If we cannot be honest with God about how we're feeling, then our feelings are going to drive a wedge between us and God. Our feelings are going to drive a wedge from between us and God and drive us farther away from God. But if we can be honest, if we can be open, if we can share what we're really thinking and feeling, then our relationship with God can be restored. But that starts with praying honest prayers. It starts with praying honest prayers. Prayers like the psalmist here, calling out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it doesn't end there. You see, what makes the Psalms of Lament, these real prayers about how we're feeling, so important isn't how they begin. What makes these Psalms so important to the faith of the people of Israel is how they end. Out of the 62 Psalms of Lament that we find inside of the book of Psalms, 61 of them end in a similar fashion. 61 of them end with an affirmation of faith, and that includes Psalm 22. If you've still got your Bible open, let me encourage you to look with me at Psalm 22, verses 22 through 24, and you'll hear the psalmist make this affirmation of faith. Psalm 22, let's read 22 through 24 together. Psalmist writes, I will declare your name, the name of God, to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you, God, in the very center of the congregation. And I'll encourage others, saying, All you who revere the Lord, praise him. All you who are descendants of Jacob, honor him. All of you who are Israel's offspring, stand in awe of him. Because God didn't despise or detest the suffering of the one who suffered. God didn't hide his face. From me. No, God listened when I cried out to him for help. That sounds a whole lot different than the opening line, right? That sounds a whole lot different than the my God, my God, why have you forsaken me part. I mean, seriously, the, the, guy, the, the guy that starts this psalm out by asking, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He ends this by saying that God has not hidden himself from the one who was suffering, but God has listened to this author's cries for help. It's almost incompatible. It's almost hard to believe that these two statements come from the exact same person in the exact same song, but they do. So what is it that we can learn from this song? 
that can help us as we face the pain and suffering in our own lives? Well, I think there are a couple of things. The first thing that we can learn from this psalm is that even though the author feels like he has been abandoned by God, he still praises God. And he does that because he knows that in spite of how he is feeling, even though he feels like he has been forsaken by God, that God has not really abandoned him. We need to remember that too. Whatever pain, whatever suffering you're experiencing inside of your life, no matter what you're going through, no matter how far away God may seem at times, God has not and God will never forsake you. And I think that's what Jesus wanted the people surrounding him as he hung on the cross to hear that day as well. I think he wanted them to know God would never leave them. And I think that's why he quotes the opening line of the psalm. Now, if you're at all familiar with the the physical aspects of a crucifixion, you know that Jesus didn't have enough strength or energy to have possibly recited all 31 verses that we find in this psalm. But just by saying the opening line, he knew that everyone in the crowd would remember the rest. But that's not all that we can learn from the psalm. And I want to go ahead and warn you. The next thing that I'm going to say is going to sound a little bit strange to you, and it may even make you a little bit mad. But there is something else important that we can learn from the psalm. And here it is. It's not just okay to call out to God when you're hurting. It's also okay to call God out when you're hurting. It's not just okay to call out to God when you're hurting. It's also okay to call God out when you're hurting. It's okay. It's okay to feel mad at God. It's okay to get angry at God. It's okay to feel like God has abandoned you, like God has left you alone. And it's okay for you to wonder how long you're going to have to suffer and ask how long you're going to have to wait before God does something about the pain and suffering you have in your life. And like I said, that's probably a little bit strange to hear in church. And yeah, you may even be a little bit mad hearing it. But guess what? 62 times inside of the book of Psalms, this is exactly what happens in the Bible. 62 times in the book of Psalms, we hear people not just calling out to God in prayer, but calling God out for not holding up His end of the bargain. So it's okay. It's okay to call out to God. And it's also okay to call God out when you're hurting. Because God has made us certain promises. God has promised to always be with us. So if you feel abandoned by God, call God out on it. I don't feel like you're here, God. I need you. God has promised to be with us. But, and this is an important but, you cannot leave it there. You cannot leave it at calling God out. Because even when you're hurting, even when you're angry, even when you're feeling abandoned, even when you're wondering how long it's going to take before God is going to do something to make things better in your life, you have to remember that first point that I made. That God has not forsaken you. Or as the psalmist puts it here, God isn't hiding from you. God is hearing you when you cry out to Him. So you have to remember, that God is still there with you. Even in your deepest pain, even in your greatest hurt, God is still there. 
just like God was always with Jesus, even when Jesus was dying on that cross, God never left Jesus. And God will never leave you. God will never leave you. So as you face pain in your life, and unfortunately it will happen, know that it's okay to cry out to God. Know that it's okay to express what you're really feeling. God is big enough to deal with it, and God's not going to ignore you if you get mad at God. Know that it's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to wondering to wonder why you're suffering and how long it's going to last. It's okay to even feel like God has abandoned or forsaken you. But don't forget that God has not. And God never will forsake you. God will never abandon you. The next week, we're going to take a a closer look at another one of the things that Jesus says while he is dying on the cross. And we're going to see then what we can learn from him in this next statement. But for now, the first thing that you and I and that we all need to know when we face pain and suffering in our lives, is that even though it hurts, God's still with us. Even though it hurts, God is still with us. And now, let's pray together. God, as we bow our heads in prayer now, we can all admit, we can all confess that we don't pray prayers like the one in Psalm 22 very often. We don't pray the prayers that we're really thinking. We pray the prayers that we think you want to hear from us, God. So we dress up our prayers with flowery words. We speak in King James English. We try to say the things that we've heard preachers and Sunday school teachers and other people teach us over the years. But God, that's not what you want. You want a real relationship with us. And that means that you want us to be real with you. And God, you know right now that there are people sitting inside of the sanctuary that are dealing with real pain. You know that there are people that can hear my voice right now that are upset with you, that are angry with you, that are flat out mad with you about what's happening in their lives. God, let them know that's okay. Let them know it's okay. That you're a big enough God to deal with our anger. You're a big enough God to deal with whatever it is that we're feeling. You're a big enough God that can handle it when we call out to you and when we call you out and question what's going on in our lives. But you're also a God that's big enough to be with us through it all. You're a God that is sitting beside every one of us in the sanctuary with your arms wrapped around those of us going through pain right now. Let us feel your embrace. Let us know that you are here Let us know that you have not abandoned us, that you have not forsaken us, that you are always with us. Let us know. Let us know that we don't suffer alone, that you suffer right alongside of us, and that you are working to make it better. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, hey, it's Adam again, and thank you for listening to this week's sermon podcast. We hope that it's helped you think about how you can face pain and suffering in your life, and that it's helped you realize that it's okay to call out to God when you're in need, because God is always going to be there for you. Now, next week, we're going to continue to think about this idea of how we can respond to the pain and suffering we experience in our lives. So we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast to make sure that the next sermon is sent straight to your favorite podcasting app next Tuesday morning. And while you're in your favorite podcasting app, let me encourage you to take just a couple of seconds and leave a quick review. Your reviews can mean a whole lot to us and they can help spread the word about this podcast to other folks. And it takes just a second to leave that review. So as always, I hope that you guys have a great week this week and we'll see you back here for another sermon podcast next Tuesday.